Talk Radio 77 WABC. Boy, this is Sid and Friends in the Morning. Seventy-seven WABC. Here at the JNS Studios, once again, thank you to Alex Trayman. And uh, sitting with me live this morning is Rachel Goldberg, who at one point put on a video on Instagram, which we played locally at 6 o'clock this morning, where she said, For the longest time I was a woman. And then I became a mother. And uh, there's a stark difference between the two. When, when I met my wife, for example, she wasn't even a woman. She was a girl. <laughs> <laughs> then she became a woman, and now she's a mother. So when you said that in that video, hard for people who are not parents to understand the difference. But it all changes. You know, I've got two children. You've got a couple of daughters. Uh, you're worried about Hirsch, obviously, but you've got other children to worry about, too. And it is a full-time job. I do this. You've got a job. But the truth is, anything happens to somebody at home, and everything else stops. You were a woman. Now you're a mother. Big difference, right? Definitely. I think um, it just changes how you move in the world. And so I, I think I've spoken with many mothers about it, that there's something about that first child because they change who you are in the universe. And so Hirsch, you know, is my eldest. Right. 23. Um, he's 23. Just turned 23 he, that day. He turned 23 on October 3rd. Okay. A c- couple days before. He was before. celebrating on that day. Correct. Okay. Right. And, he, um, and he's my only son. And uh, there's a special connection. Of course. So I've also got one son, too, Gabriel. And uh, I know exactly what you're talking about. I'm the father, not the mother, obviously. But I know what you're talking about. So before the break, uh, we went to break, actually. I said to you, I I don't know how you do it. I know you hear that all the time. It's got to be annoying. But it's true. I don't. I don't know how you do it. But you said, well, and then you stop yourself. And you said, let me save it for the air. So what do you do every day? How do you do it? Um. Well, there is the moment that I open my eyes in the morning um, after a drug-induced bad sleep mm-hmm. that our family doctor prescribed sleeping pills like horse pills for yeah, us I'm sure. uh, because we couldn't sleep at all uh, those first few days. And they're supposed to give us somewhere between six and eight hours of sleep, but there's something about the three-hour mark that we generally just wake up Pop with up. a start. I think it's the psyche can't go deep when it's in trauma, which we are still very much in trauma. This is very different than regular trauma because this is ambiguous trauma. The truck is still running us over. You know, normal trauma is it hits you out of nowhere, sure. whatever that trauma might be. Um, but then the hit moves on, and however long it's going to take you to recover from that hit is individualized. But for us, the hit is still on us, so we can't proceed. Hmm. So all we do full-time is try to save Hirsch and try to save these other hostages. So I wake up in the morning with a start, always, and my throat closes a little like it did on that first day. And then I say there's a one-line prayer that some Jewish people say upon waking, which is a beautiful prayer, thanking God for giving me my soul back and having faith in me to give me another day. Um, And then I say to myself, 
um, let this be the day. And then I say, and now pretend to be human. Mm. And I get up every day and I put on this costume mm. pretending to be a person so that I can go out in the world and interact with people and try to save my son. If I'm in a ball on the floor in the fetal position crying all day, which right, is what I right. feel like doing, sure. that might be what I feel like doing, but that is not going to help save him. Not just save your son, but I would imagine there's got to be guilt involved because you've got two daughters. He's not your only right. child. Right. So right. it's unfair to them Correct. To, to have them basically without a mother. Correct. If he was an only child, I would get that, right? But you've got three children, right? Correct. So you can't afford to just do that to them. Right. And, you know, what's been incredible for me and also makes me feel proud but also sad is how resilient my girls are being. So on the one hand, I'm very proud of their resilience and their ability to be maternal to me. Mm And on the other hand, I feel sad sure. that they have to be maternal. Were they clo- oh, I shouldn't say were they. Are they close with Hirsch? They're very close with okay, Hirsch, good. both of them. Good. Um, and it's interesting because they give me a lot of optimism because they, from the get-go, have said, he's coming home. He's coming home. And he's going to be fine. They are so convinced. Yeah. They said, okay, you don't need two arms to have a great life. Like They, they have such faith in him and his strength and his ability to recover from this extreme, unimaginable situation that he's in. And that gives me a lot of strength. Sure, of course. You know, some of the uh, terrorists took the phones from some of the victims, and they reached out to the parents uh, in really a uh, horrible way, you know, making fun and taunting and that type of thing. But I guess for some of those parents, as awful as that was, at least they knew that their child was alive. Did that, that never happened, I guess, with you. There's been nothing about him. Zero contact, not from anybody, just nothing, right? Correct. Okay. Um, tell me about the efforts, without getting political, because last time I felt badly, I told you I wouldn't get political, and I badmouthed Biden. I can't help it. <laughs> um, tell me about the efforts, I'm blinking, uh, from the United States, from Israel, how you, be- how you believe they are doing in efforting to return your child home. Well, immediately when we put together what had happened on the 7th, my first phone call was to the U.S. Embassy to say there is an American citizen, civilian, who is missing. That was before we knew anything. We, and, in fact, that first 36 hours, we assumed Hirsch was one of the 367 kids who were massacred um, at the festival. We, in fact, had good family friends who went down to the different hospitals going through the bodies because we didn't think we could handle doing that. So we had friends go through the bodies because, you know, these kids at these festivals, they're wearing shorts and tank tops. Yes. They're not exactly like carrying around ID. Right. Um, so it was really traumatic for them and and really just such a demonstration of their love and support for us that they didn't want us to have to do that. Um, we, um, have felt from the beginning, lucky, gracious, blessed to be American. And we have absolutely felt that the American administration, the Congress, every single person we've met from the most right wing Republican to the most progressive Democrat, such 
unbelievable support Good. for trying to help free not just Hirsch, but, you know, there are uh, a total of six U.S. citizens who are still today being held alive. There are two that we know of who were taken who unfortunately have passed, but are their bodies are in captivity, uh, U.S. citizens. And we have felt tremendous Good. support and action from America. It not yet has resulted in uh, the situation where we would like to see him free. Right. I would say the same thing about the Israeli government, that um, I'm hopeful that they are trying to do their very best. I realize they have a lot of balls to juggle. Where America, you know, it's six people, and it's not, you know, this this operation is not happening right in their neighborhood. So I think it's a different set of circumstances, and I realize that. But I pray fervently that um, the Israeli government will do what is morally right and what is morally obligated when when you fail your citizens because at the end of the day what Hamas did was an atrocity but we dropped the ball that day no doubt no doubt look and, I'm a big Netanyahu fan but he's going to lose his job over this and deservedly so uh, and so did the Americans by the way both Israel and America had intelligence failures that day but but Bibi now will try to regain he's out he's done who try to regain some of his legacy by destroying them. And you don't have to admit, he's in a difficult position, not Biden, but he is because he's got to find a way to keep Hirsch, get him home, and at the same time eradicate a group that doesn't care, quite frankly, about Hirsch or any human beings. So he's in a very unenviable position. I think you'd agree to that. I think he is in an unenviable position, and I also think that his legacy, he is at a crossroads. His legacy can be he saved these people, he atoned, he repented for the mistake of not protecting these innocent civilians. You know, the majority of these people who were taken from the kibbutzim were elderly people who were dragged in their underwear because it was a hot day. And these kids, these hippie, crunchy granola kids who were at a music festival for peace and light, Mm. who were dragged, almost 50 of them, away. This is the time to atone for that and make right. Bring them home and also normalize relations with with Saudi Arabia. That was what was sort of on the trajectory before this. And that could be his unbelievable, enduring legacy. So he is at a crossroads or 136 coffins can come across the border and we don't want that and he doesn't want that i know that what part of america are you from i grew up in chicago oh you did that's why i have a nice accent (laughs) were you down right there by the water i sure was my mom is still there oh she's still there sure love the uh, chicago bears Mike Ditka, you won of the course. Super Bowl when you were a kid. Of course. Coach Ditka. Of course. <laughs> I couldn't tell because you've got some New York moxie, too. And oh, you're you brilliant. Mean. You're very smart. So I couldn't tell if it was Chicago. The accent is more like Chicago, but you seem a little New York to me. Oh, that's a really? huge compliment. Is yes. it? I was, I'm yes. trying to decide. Yeah, no, that's okay. a huge compliment. Okay. How long have you been here? So we moved here the summer before Hirsch turned eight years old. So 15 um, years. Yes. Long time. Yes. And you guys love it. Yeah. You do. Yeah. Even with what's going on. And with what Hirsch is going through right now, you can still say, without any hesitation, I love Israel. Yes. Wow. Listen, 
no place is perfect. Do I have criticisms of Israel, of our government, of things we do? Don't you have criticisms of things in America? I and hate you're my st- government. And you're, st- <laughs> yeah. and you're still a proud American. I am. Okay. Yes. Yes. So you don't, you know, and that's, I think the world has to be a little bit more flexible with the idea that you could be proud of where you come from and who you are, and it doesn't mean you're in line and uh, kickstep with every single thing that you're that your state does, that your government does, that your leaders do, and that's okay. How often do you meet with somebody at the State Department, whether it's Blinken or somebody else, where they give you some type of update, hey, Rachel, here's the deal. We were in a tunnel today somewhere in Gaza, and we saw something that leads us to believe there were some hostages here, maybe a bloody tourniquet, maybe something else. How often do you get any information that leads you to believe maybe, maybe they're on the right track. We get information from Israeli intelligence on things like that. We have um, two different representatives from Israel that are in charge of our family, and they touch base with us. I mean, one of them would touch base with us every day, except mm-hmm. we finally had to say to her, it's okay, it's we enough. love you, and we know that you're <laughs> with us, and you don't need to touch base every day. Some people need that. You know, everybody's different, and I don't. there's no judgment there, but we didn't need that. Um, so we get updates like that uh, from her at least every few days or once a week. Um, and America also, when they have anything to share, they're in touch with us. America is very easy for us to reach to. They're very open to us. Uh, the people at the way top. I mean, we will be having a phone call actually at 4.30 today, Israel time, with someone in the administration who's going to update us. And, again, it's just six families. So we're, we're so yeah. appreciative. You know, on the way out, you've um, you've shown tremendous courage, and, and even with me these two times, and meeting you in person is just, you're an extraordinary woman. You really are. Um, and I know that you're confident, and I am too. I really, I mean that. And I love the fact that your daughters keep telling you he's coming home. But in your darkest days, there's got to be moments, almost every day, where you, at the very least, toy with the idea that he's never coming home, and that that's it. Um and your daughters maybe get you out of it, or your husband, or I'm not sure what it is that day, but how often do you deal with that possible despair? Is that a daily thing? You know, it depends. There's always these fleeting moments throughout the day because when you're in so much living in a universe of unknown, your mm-hmm. mind can't help but go to scary right, places. Right. And on the other hand, I really... I really believe, I really believe, first of all, I really believe in God. I really believe in Hirsch. And I really believe that he's alive and that he is going to come home. And so when I have those dark moments, I I often will turn to Psalms. I I recite Psalms throughout the day. I have one in my bag (laughs) that I keep with me. I feel like it's a self-help book. Yeah, of course. And I look up a Psalm from when other people in our history have been in despair or fear or angst or agony. And I'll read something that King David wrote when he was at his deepest, darkest Mm -hmm. uh, point, and it gives me strength. He uh, he's very proud of you, Hirsch. I guarantee you that. He's (laughs) got to know what what you're doing every day. So I um, thank you for this. Um, Thank I know you it was for a, a me. tough trip to get here. Took you about three minutes. I know about <laughs> that. Maybe half. Maybe half that time. <laughs> but uh, it's great to meet you. You and too. If there's anything I can do, WABC, anybody in New York, uh, we we um, 
Our hearts are with you. I promise you that. We talk about you a lot on this show. And Hirsch. Thank you. And uh, we only want the best for all of us. I hope that uh, next time we see each other, he's with me. Me too. And please just keep spreading the word. It's really important not to forget these six American citizens who are trapped there. And uh, you can also follow us on Bring Hirsch Home. Bring Hirsch Home. And that is H-I-R. No. H-E-R. Yes, just like a Hershey bar. H-E-R-S-H. Okay. I want to make sure because I've seen it spelled five different ways. Oh, my husband Fox News spelled it incorrectly. It's always spelled incorrectly and his last name is hyphenated, so it's even worse. Right. Right. It's basically three last names. Hirsch, Goldberg, (laughs) Poland. We didn't, apparently we didn't really think the full, the full thing through. <laughs> well, listen, the best to all of you guys. Thank you for doing this today. And like you said, hopefully next time I see you, he's sitting right next to you. Okay? Amen. Amen. Right. Thank you. That is uh, Rachel Goldberg. That one's easy. No, nothing hyphenated. And uh, Rachel's easy enough to spell. R-A-C-H-E-L. And of course, all you listening right now, the huge, huge, huge numbers of New Yorkers listening right now and folks around the world on the app, please say a prayer. For our friend Hirsch Goldberg, let's get him home so we can go see another music festival again and spend some time with his beautiful mother. We'll take a short break. Lots more to do on this, the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the morning. I'll be right back. Hanging our shirts in the dirty breeze. And after it rains, there's a rainbow. And all of the colors are black. It's not that the colors are there, it's just imagination relaxed. Everything's the same back in my little town. Sit in Friends in the Morning, live from Israel, 77 WABC. favorite songs, Heartland by U2, and Alex Trayman, my man Alex, who just told me I've got a great style. You folks have been very, very kind to me on text, on Instagram, at Rosenberg.Sydney, at Rosenberg.Sydney, Sid Rosenberg on Facebook, and um, some real nice messages directed really more at Rachel Goldberg than me. She's quite a lady. But thank you for all the kind words. So Alex said earlier, I like that song, but I love you too. I love the song In God's Country because you could make the argument right now, live in Jerusalem, I am in God's country. So he took that recommendation like a Casey Kasem deal, and Lewis played for Alex Trayman in God's country. And he's right because 
we kind of are in God's country. No disrespect to 49th Street and 3rd Avenue. I love it there, but that ain't God's country. You know what I'm saying, Lewis? I hear what you're putting down. Yeah, I know you do. So you're a very sensitive guy. You really are. you got a, a, a beautiful heart. You and I have been friends for almost 25 years. What you just heard the last 25 minutes from Rachel Goldberg, how amazing was that? Oh, it's something you don't want imagined anybody to go through. It's, um, she's a remarkable person, yeah. actually. And if that doesn't um, send chills and uh, remind you of us all of what it is to be human, then yeah. you're not human. That's well said. Yeah. <laughs> because no, you're not as incredible. well said. Just be human. That's all. I don't know if I can do it. I, I, I don't, you know, well, I don't know. Sometimes you're forced not to be human. Yeah, I mean, that's I the times we're in, but it's unfortunate. But yeah. that's all she's probably, that's all she wants, all of us to treat each other like humans. Yeah, I know. I couldn't, even start, I, 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 I couldn't even start yelling about Donald Trump. I, could, I wanted to so badly. Well, you know, if Trump was the president, this never would have happened, but... You can't do that with well, her. Well, she's that's not she's not ready to hear that stuff. No, right she's now. counting that's, on these uh, she's counting on these assholes to bring her son home safely, which is you know, a tall task because she says nice things about him because she has to, but we know the real truth. Yeah, well, she's these arguing, guys are morons. She's arguing, of course. Well, that's a side issue, uh, sadly, but the yeah. but what she's arguing about, of course, is real life and what's yeah. really important and what's going on. Yes, so these right. things are – politics are always going to have the downfalls. I mean, you cannot control it. Money, greed, power, and land, everything, and who hates who. But that's not important to what she's going through right now as a parent. True. True. That's it. And it's one thing she was on the show a month ago on the phone. That was emotional enough. We were all crying. But to sit here and, and look at her – she's a lovely lady, by the way, beautiful, smart, and a big uh, Chicago fan like Ryan, no relation, but there's a huge Chicago syndicate inside this office, which is hilarious because we're New Yorkers and we're rivals with Chicago in just about every sport. In fact, Ryan, who's done a lot of the technical work here in the two days, he's wearing a Chicago Cubs cap. How about that? And uh, Rachel's from Chicago, too. So we move from one very emotional conversation to another. Joseph Zupnik is, is in the studio right now. And uh, ironically, he was on my flight from New York to Jerusalem, to Tel Aviv, really. And um, he was telling me about his his charity, which is called The Next Step. You can find them at thenextstep.org. And they deal with folks, amputees. And I believe there have been 60 from October the 7th. Long story short, Lewis, he walks in with this really attractive young girl, Ellie Carroll, and uh, we're talking to Joe, we're talking to Ellie, you know, no big deal. And then I come back from getting myself a cup of water. I looked down, and I noticed that Ellie had some type of, what would you call that exactly, that goes from your knee down to your foot? A prosthetic. A prosthetic. I didn't even notice it initially. So you live with this. You were not part of the attack on October the 7th, but you live with it. So we're going to talk to Joseph and Ellie some of the uh, conditions, some of these injuries, really horrible, folks. I mean, we've heard about the dead. We've heard about the maimed and the raped. But when you hear what some of these people are still going through, one gentleman in particular whose uh, daughter was murdered, wife was murdered, I believe his 16-year-old son survived, but he lost his leg from the knee down. 
And Joe showed me a picture of this guy in a wheelchair a couple of days ago, and he was smiling. That's what the next step does. So we'll talk to Joseph and Ellie from the next step as the Tuesday edition of Sid and Friends in the Morning rolls on live from Jerusalem. Alex, this one's for you. And informative. This is Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. There must be some kind of way out of here. Said a joker to the thief. There's too much confusion. One of my favorite songs of all time, All Along the Watchtower by the late great Jimi Hendrix. Give me some of this, Lewis. Come on, little Jimmy in Jerusalem. All right, the group is The Next Step. You can find them at thenextstep.org. And um, they deal on a daily basis with amputees. Joseph Zupnik, who I believe is a great neck, I will find out. He's here. And uh, Ellie Carroll, who has, her mother is from uh, England. Her father, South Africa, who turned out to be one of the biggest Jew-hating countries in the world, and I guess you're here. You're in Jerusalem, right? Um, I live in Ramat Gan. I grew up in Israel my whole life. Your whole life. You were born here, lived here your whole life. Yeah. So where did your father meet your mother? In England. In England, okay. Because you have an English accent. They worked hard. <laughs> Are you proud of your English ancestry? Yes. But not South African at this point. Mm, you're angry. Yeah. That was pretty gross last week, right? Very uncalled for. Yeah. Yeah, shocking almost, yeah. right? And um, what is your relationship with Joseph? I know Yosef from the next step. From the next step, okay. Because you are an amputee. I am an amputee myself. I work with and for the organization. The beauty about the next step is that it's not only for amputees. It's also run and taken care of by amputees so that we know how each other feels. Sure, sure. So what happened to you exactly? What was the nature of the injury? My injury, I was in Cape Town visiting my grandparents five years ago, and I was walking on the sidewalk, just a regular day. Suddenly, a car didn't stop at a stop sign, hit a different car, and she lost control and came onto the sidewalk while I was walking. Next thing I know it, I look down. My leg is not attached. Your leg's not attached. Jeez. How old are you at the time? I was 24. Yeah, because you look uh, very young now, very young. Thank you. So you had damage from your knee down to your foot. Yeah. But the rest of you looks great, so... Yes. You got to thank God for that. I know. Right? (laughs) So are you married? You have kids? What is your? Single. Single. Okay. And living, again, in Jerusalem proper or? In Ramat Gan, which is. Oh, Ramat. Right. Okay. Got it. So, Joseph, you, um, are you from Great Neck? I'm from Rockland County. Oh, that's right. That's what it was. Rockland County. In fact, I told you my sister is from New City, the whole thing. Right. 
Wesley and, uh, Hills, not too far from there. Not far. Yeah. So you um you came down the same plane as I did. You had better seats. You were in business. I was in economy. Congratulations. Premium. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Who but, wants to split? Right. Hairs? Exactly. But you were kind enough to uh, sail a couple times on the flight. Yeah. And uh, here you are today. And you told me about the next step, and I think you said to me there were 60 amputees from that horrible Saturday, October the 7th. Is that right? Is that the number? Uh, the number then was 50, but it's been growing since because of the ongoing uh, ongoing conflict. So there are still people in hospitals that even today, Absolutely. four months later, are losing limbs? Yeah, every week is a new is a new ball game. I'll be only this week. We're only on Tuesday, Sunday, and Monday. I spent all the day in the hospital. Wow! How many people are still hospitalized with serious injuries? Uh, amputees? There are sixty-two right now. No, but how many people are still in the hospital at the risk of being an amputee? Are there are there, are there still hundreds of people that are going through some very serious body trauma right now? Well, you don't know that. You don't know that. Mm-hmm. But right now we've got sixty-two amputees, Correct. and your job at Next Step is to do what exactly? Our job at, at the next step is, you know, it, we have three pillars that, that we create with our amputee community. Um, one is creating a sense of community among amputees and among people who've lost their limbs. You know, it's funny you say that, creating a community with these people. So my son, for example, he has something called dyspraxia. He's got all his limbs, right? But he's got dyspraxia. But he hates to be reminded. He hates to be reminded he's got it. So I have a hard time convincing him to go to events, to talk to other kids who have the same disability, yet you're telling me that these folks are all good with being in a community, kind of sharing the pain, yes? Absolutely, and we'll take it to the next level because a lot of our folks are are members of our own sporting groups. We've got a surfing team. We've got a cycling team. We've got rock climbers. We've got sports enthusiasts. It's the job of of the next step, really, to help these folks take the next step and get their life in order and let them know they're not alone. And they're supported by wonderful people, wonderful people like Ellie, who's sitting here next to me in the studio. So what does your job entail on a daily basis, Ellie? What do you do daily? Since the war. Yeah. Since the war, it's... Uh... From the first week, myself and my colleagues and friends from The Next Step, we've been going to different hospitals around Israel, going through all the different departments, making sure we reach every new amputee in Israel, talking to their families and showing them that, look at us, we're also amputees, we live a full life. Your son, your partner, they will be able to do that as well. Life is not over, it's just a new beginning. I didn't have that when I was in hospital. I thought I'd be in a wheelchair my whole life. So now being able to be on the other side and showing them that that's not the case, they will be able to surf, will be able to do CrossFit, Mm -hmm. swim, run, whatever they want. That's pretty awesome. So you were telling me how these people suffered some of these injuries, from RPGs Mm -hmm. to gunshot wounds to shrapnel. There's a million different ways that a person, unfortunately, can lose a limb. Uh, Tell the audience specifically what most of these injuries entailed. You know, it's difficult to talk about without without getting you know gory and graphic. But I'll tell you, most of the injuries happened on on the first day um, because the the best way to stop blood loss is through the application of a tourniquet. Um, that's that's what's taught in the military. That's what's taught in first aid. 
if you have no other resort of controlling the bleeding. Once that happens, there's only a certain window of time that people have to get to the hospital. And the issue on the first day was access, getting people evacuated, getting people rescued. It was it was chaotic. Wow. And uh, in the end, not all of the 60 or 62 now. 62 as of today. Yeah. Had these done initially. This is over a, a, a period of time. So now the next step, like you said, offers them um, uh, different activities, psychological help as well. Of course. You're going to make it. You're going to be okay. Uh, one story in particular you told me about was one guy whose wife was murdered. His daughter was murdered. In front of him. Right in front of him. Right. His, his, his 16-year-old son. son was spared. He survived, I guess. But no, his son was murdered and his wife and his daughter. His, oh, so, so he did have a son killed too, murdered. So yeah. one son did survive. Well, no, a 16-year-old did survive, yes. But a murdered son, a murdered daughter, she was murdered, the wife, and he survived, but he lost his, uh, his leg, right? Is that right? Correct. The, um, after, after the uh, terrorists had uh, entered his home in Kibbutzberry, um, spent all of their ammunition, um, he fought to keep the door to the safe room shut. Uh, they threw some grenades at it. They managed to um, hit his wife and one of his children who had, had passed almost immediately there. Um, they were in the safe room. They were in the down. safe room, yeah. yeah. And after all of their ammunition was spent and all their grenades were used, they decided to light the house afire. And you said they used rags using the blood of his family, right? Is that right? Something to that uh, horrible yeah. extent? Yeah, they did, they did that. Because yeah. when you're in, you know, the first thing they teach you, you know, when you're in a room filled with smoke or fire, you know, stop, drop, and roll, cover your mouth with a wet rag. Right. So they, to make it wet, they use the blood. So how did he escape this gentleman if he had his leg blown off? I'm curious. He didn't. He was locked in the safe room for another eight hours approximately right. until, until he, was, uh, he was rescued. Mm. So um, before this happened to you in Cape Town five years ago in South Africa, what were you doing? Just living an ordinary life, I would imagine. I was a college student studying yeah. computer science. Yeah. Took a year break, was working overseas, just yeah. enjoying life. Because um, sometimes when people go through these really difficult things, which you've gone through this experience, obviously, they find that their life couldn't be any better, that this was almost their calling, that, yes, I may have a prosthetic from my knee down to my foot, but this uh, this was my calling. Like, I love what I do right now. You're in that position. Yeah. So yeah. it's also the first time I'm doing something that's not only I like, also I'm helping so many other people, not yeah. only the amputees, also their families, also old, new amputees. It's, it's, it's my new calling. How well young is the youngest of all these amputees? Do you know? From the wall? Yes. 19, 20. 19, the average now from all the amputees is around 21, 22. Around 21, 22. Wow. That's, uh, and you were 24, so you know all too well exactly yeah. what this is all about. So folks who want to donate here, Joe, and get involved and help these people out. Uh, again, I think, uh, New Yorkers, where you're on right now, and around the world, the uh, 77 WABC app does very well. They know about the murders. They know about the rapes, yeah. all that stuff. I don't think they're all that familiar with 62 people now that are in wheelchairs or not because they've lost arms or legs or that type of thing. I know when Joseph told me about it, I was surprised to hear that number was that high. So folks who want to help out, Joseph, how do they do that? Well, they can go on to our site, uh, which is www.thenextstep.org. 
forward slash Sid for you. Thank you. For me? Yeah. For, for what the hell am I going to do about this? <laughs> <laughs> um, and they could, they could donate there. Um, well, how's it gone so far? How, how is the, in terms of donations and money, are you happy? Or do you feel like people are still not completely aware of this particular group? I think that amongst all of the chaos, we need to bring, you know, some very specific awareness yeah. to this cause yeah. and, and, and to these special people. You know, they've had, you know, the country as a whole has been through something devastating, um, that hopefully they'll recover well from. But these folks have, have permanent injuries mm-hmm. that they're going to have to live the rest of their life with. And it's our job at, at the next step to make sure that they could live a fruitful and positive life. We want to see guys going to work. We've got a double amputee right now who I'm friends with. He's in Philadelphia. I'll give a shout-out to Yehuda. He's a double amputee, and he is a fourth-year med student at Penn. Oh, wow. Okay? Yeah. I want I want all of our amputees to know, and I want the world to know, and I want our community to feel supported by everyone to know that they could live a you know, a beautiful and fruitful life ahead. You want to do sports? Come ride your bike with me. That's that's how yeah. I, that's how yeah. I had the next step yeah. in the first place. I, I signed up for a cycling event uh, to ride with amputees across the Arabian Desert a month after the Abraham Accord. Oh, no kidding. Yeah. Oh, you're a doctor, aren't you also? I'm a paramedic. Paramedic, yeah. okay. All right. So you do these types of things before, and uh, this has now become something that's near and dear to your heart because you work with this organization. Are you still doing the paramedic work, or is this taking up all your time at this point? This takes up a good deal of time. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'm going to recertify my paramedic. but uh, Yeah. It so do you have offices in New York, too? Where are these offices located, just in, in Israel or all around the world? We have people who work also with us from the state. We yes. We have our extended families, such as Joseph, and our main quarters are here in Israel. All our team working with the amputees who are amputees ourselves are here in Israel. So when this uh, interview is over and you leave here, you and Joseph, what do you do? You go visit another amputee? Do you, is that exactly what yeah. you do? Go right go to, the right to the hospital. Right. And, and what hospital? Is it the hospitals? I guess they're all, all down over. south. All over. All over. Even as north as here. Or mostly all down south. It started down south, when the, the closest to where they were injured. Yeah. And if they went injured up north, up north. And then they take them to the different hospitals in Israel. Because at the beginning there was such chaos. You had to clear beds. You had to move them around. So right. now a lot of them are also in the center of Israel. So I'm going after this to Sheba. Sheba, okay, sure. Well, you guys do amazing work, and uh, both of you should be very, very proud. And, you know, uh, again, folks, check out www.thenextstep.org and uh, backward slash Sid, my name, S-I-D. To uh, check out uh, Joseph, you can check him out at Jz at thenextstep.org, and you've got Joseph Zupnik and uh, Ellie Carroll every day. Uh, Justin and I hear, I don't know, 10, 15 stories that are enough to knock any decent human being on their back mm-hmm. every day. And you guys certainly uh, add to that in an inspiring way, in a good way, that you've taken a horrible tragedy and you both are making people's lives better. So congratulations to both of you. An amputation doesn't mean your life stops. No, just not for you it doesn't. Look at you. Yeah. You're ready to, I mean, you do hard, everything, right? Hard to keep up with her. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, she's got so much energy, and she's lovely. So good for you, and uh, you keep doing what you're doing. And, Joseph, congratulations to you, too. Congrats to you, Sid, on the, um, on the Israel Award, on the uh, Guardian of Israel Award. Are you going to that? 
Are you inviting me? Why not? <laughs> Fifth Avenue Synagogue, <laughs> Saturday night, February the 10th. Yeah. You're invited, okay? Can, can I say thank you to John and Margot Katsimatidis for of making course. this happen for you? Of course. They're amazing people. And they are great people. And they're wonderful supporters of humanity. Yeah, I don't know how many other radio stations would allow me to do this, where the owners would be behind it. And my boss, too, Chad Lopez, he deserves a mention. But you're damn right you should uh, thank John and Margot because they, um, they are wonderful people. And uh, they're happy that I'm here, and uh, they are listening uh, every day. Uh, now, what do you want to write to this? Uh, happy birthday to Joe's wife. Your wife? Yeah, my wife. It's her birthday today? No. The, you know, the night we fl- I didn't have tickets to the last minute. It's a funny story, but I usually take my wife out to dinner. She's a huge fan of yours. Yes. I would say more so than me. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. Love your wife. Thank <laughs> you. <laughs> so that night was her birthday. That night was her birthday. We usually go out for dinner or whatever, but... What do uh, you take her? But... Because it was a Saturday night flight, Shabbos, yeah. Uh, yeah. we're Shabbos of Sabbath. Oh, you are, okay. Yeah. So you can do so it. So I, I couldn't take her out that day, yeah. and then I was running to the airport right after Shabbos was over. Do so you keep kosher? I keep kosher, yeah. Because oh, mm-hmm. I was going to tell you, if you live in Rockland County, Elishiva's yeah. her name, right? Elishiva, yeah. yes. Um, go to Joe and Joe's restaurant. Okay. It's a great Italian restaurant. There's all my buddies over there. Tell them you know me. They'll take very good care of you. If they show me how to cook something, I'll cook it for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure they will. Thank you so much, guys. Great to meet both of you. Well, you Thank I know, you. but great to meet yeah. you, Ellie. That is uh, Joseph Zupnik. And uh, one more time, Eli, Ellie, I should say, Carol. Check them out at thenextstep.org. We'll take a short break. Another hour to go. Sid, live from Jerusalem. I'm coming right back. I was here. 